Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for the Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You didn't kill Anakin. I did. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and this is our watch club for Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6, Part 6, The Finale. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, first off, what's wrong with you? But be sure to check it out and come back and join us in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we say hello there... Sorry. Now, before we say hello there for the last time, let me introduce you to my two guests. We're going old school today. We got the original OG members, Nate Shelton, Kevin Hudson. How are you, boys? What took you so long? That's what I want to know. What took you so long, Kevin? Where have you been? I just, just, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Truly, truly, and, you know, I felt it. And when and when you get other combinations going, you you realize, man, the original trilogy, no matter what, is always going to be the <laughs> best, baby. As good as every every other trilogy is, as much as we love yeah. them, can't beat the I OG. Like totally, I I hear what you're saying, but I mean, you know, even though this is a, a like a TV series streaming on Disney Plus, you you got to imagine getting to see this in the on the big screen. Just like maybe for some people, the original trilogy, in my case, the prequel trilogy. Uh, Justin, how was, what was it, like a red carpet finale thing? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we were, uh, we, we got invited out by uh, Disney Studio Canada to attend the fan event. Uh, so huge thanks to them for inviting us out. Um, yeah, it was, it was a red carpet. Uh, we had done the interview the day before with Deborah Chow and Hayden Christensen, and then they were hosting this massive fan event that basically a marathon that ran all across Canada. Uh, in d- at different locations, and they s- live streamed the Q and A after uh, to all those theaters. Uh, but it happened for us live, right in front of us. Uh, so we got to see Deborah Chow and Hayden Christensen talk a little bit more uh, about what went into well. F- actually after watching the last episode what went into that last episode and some of the highlights so it was it was really really cool it was cool to be a fan uh for the day and like just kind of go and and you know take it all in uh but it was really cool to see uh, uh the movie podcast guys uh on the red carpet uh doing their thing interviewing and uh some of the contents on their uh their social now yeah it was it was a cool event and it was sold out so it, there was a lot of people there so uh darcy and i had a good time and even for darcy i, I know that first two episodes he saw in a theater yeah in anaheim at star wars celebration right and now he's watching the finale for the first time in the theater uh, with Hayden Christensen, by the way, we sat there and watched it. He, he was hidden in, in the crowd and then he ended up darting out after uh, the episode ended. So he, he was there and wanting to listen to the fan reactions to the moments. And they definitely hit like for, for a lot of the people in the audience, they they hadn't seen that episode yet. You could hear the fan excitement as as moments hit That's uh, awesome. throughout the throughout the episode. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, man, I, I I got to be there for the, you know, in, in celebration. So I, I got to experience a little bit of that. Mm. And yeah, dude, absolutely. Like it's again, I think it's one of these things where these series are for better or for worse, long 
movies and i think uh getting mm-hmm. to see it on the big screen you know you, t- you were telling me off air that like it kind of changed your perception a little bit of even some of the weaker episodes of the series um getting to see it mm-hmm. with a crowd and so i think i think there's something to that and it really speaks to the theater experience yeah i mean i think it's really cool that you know seeing these episodes on a big screen would elevate them a little bit more to that sort of movie sort of atmosphere now for me i watched all of them completely as a television show and until this final episode, it did feel like a Star Wars television show. Um, mm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it was lacking that big screen atmosphere or whatever, but it just it just never felt as big as the movies have in the past. Whereas this episode really culminates in that big epic feeling that that fits into what we're accustomed to with with this you know saga. The the theater experience helped with just maybe watching some of the episodes back to back because the way they structured they did one and two and then a break and then three and four and then a break and then five and then six uh sorry they did five and then a break and then six and then a break and then there was the q a so there was a couple more breaks in there but they weren't long breaks right like we're, we're talking like five to ten minutes that being said just watching the episodes back to back like that it, it really does change the the experience of how the how the story is being told my only feedback to them it would be to not roll the credits to just go from episode one to episode two and then roll the credits and then go from yeah. you know, three into four See, and I was, roll the credits. I was I thinking think that, but I imagine it's that. different crew, different casts it in is. different episodes. And they and so still be, yeah. It's all about paying yeah. homage to those people because I would have just played the six episodes straight, like a three and a half hour mm. long movie. Like That's how I would have preferred right. to have seen that if I was going to do it in a theater because it took you guys like seven right. hours to watch those those six episodes, you know, yeah. I probably could have watched mm-hmm. the show no. twice in the time that it took you guys to do it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I do appreciate Darcy yeah. saying not only did those big epic moments feel incredible, but maybe even some of the the the, the moments that didn't work. Like, let's just call it out right now. Obi Hyden lay under the trench coat. He said even that was more fun <laughs> because everyone yeah. was in on the joke and laughing at it. And and so even the sillier moments that didn't work were even that much better just because you were in a crowd and everybody was into it. Yeah. And I still I will think say, it was silly. Oh, I will say, though, like for silly moments, though, I mean... We're, we're used to silly moments in Star Wars. If you really think about it, some of the best, you sure. know, sort of jokes and memes that we've gotten from the original trilogy with, with stormtroopers not being able to shoot at anything, bonking their heads off things, uh, to, you know, the prequel trilogy with almost uh, many of the lines of dialogue <laughs> that, that George Lucas uh, would write. Um, I, you know, we're, we're used to They're it. Just so words. I, right. And so I think, <laughs> I think going forward, you know what? For the people that this is, for this being their Star Wars, the Disney Plus live action Star Wars being their Star Wars, awesome. There's their new memes going forward. Maybe we'll find like a a plush of Obi-Wan, a big chunky Obi-Wan under a trench coat or something like that. (laughs) God, I hope not. Um, Okay, let's get into this finale because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Episode six of Obi-Wan Kenobi starts back on Tatooine with Reva looking for Owen. She seems to have gotten there before Obi-Wan, uh, and she is clearly injured. As we uh, learned from last episode, her goal now is to find the child of Skywalker. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan, uh, with the other rebels, attempt to hold off the relentless blasters fired from Vader's Star Destroyer. Obi-Wan learns that the ship is not in good shape and will likely not make its destination. 
as he walks the ship and he sees Leia with the mother and son from episode two, and she goes over to Obi-Wan and tells him that Lola is a distraction for them to keep their minds at ease. Obi-Wan admits to Leia that he's scared too, but he's going to try to give Roken and the others some time by drawing Vader's attention away. Leia, scared and frustrated, demands him to stay along with the others on the ship. He states that this is the only plan. Vader is after him. He will not stop. The people on the ship, they are the future. They are the ones worth protecting and saving. Leia storms off in a fury, and Obi-Wan tasks Haj Estri with getting Leia home. Haj gives his word, and the word of a liar and a fake Jedi, which Obi-Wan says is good enough for him. So I thought we could stop here and talk about sort of these entry moments into uh, our thing. First off, let's talk about Reva suddenly just lightning fast. She's on Tatooine. Yeah, uh, and she's already she's already beginning this hunt. I thought that was that was pretty crazy how fast she got. But she looks not just injured but broken in this moment. Well, I again I think going back to what the Inquisitor says uh, about sort of the idea of vengeance and revenge, like that's that being such a motivator for her. Um, maybe that's what really was just kind of keeping her keeping Good her going out. right. And I think yeah. the 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 other thing to also think about as well is like you know she just doesn't care about these people in front of her. I mean, water is such a really hard thing to come by on Tatooine, and she just bitch slaps that cup right out of the right out of that guy's <laughs> hand. Um, yeah, that guy deserved it, though. I, yeah, that guy that guy did deserve it, but not the water. Don't waste the water. Um, no, I think yeah. I think uh, that first moment with her was, uh, was intriguing. I do agree with you, though. I think the Game of Thrones level of fast travel... <laughs> Here was not uh, not considered that well, uh, but we had to we had to get to the end of the of the show. Um, but I also wanted to kind of shout out. I love the escape, uh, the way that the escape was shot of Roken's ship like swerving through, and it it was uh, you know seeing it chase the, the I think it's called the Devastator chasing down Roken's ship was shot just like the first shots in a new hope and it was so dope hope, we yeah. get the triangle like opener and then we see him like you know flying away from it i was like yes like these visual callbacks are just as important and it's cool to see you know again how this series visually is blending both the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy i just thought that was awesome uh yeah i mean the stuff on tatooine is something I'd, i could probably gripe about about the whole episode, so I won't start now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, uh, as clunky as the beginning of the relationship uh, between Obi-Wan and, and Haja was, uh, I, I do think it's such an important development for Obi-Wan, um, for him to gain that yes. trust. Uh, you know, I've seen it, you know, draw parallels to that's why he's able to trust Han Solo in A New Hope. You know, he's, he's yeah. not just finding the best pilot, he's finding the right person to, 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 to help them with their mission. Um, and so again, I think the beginning of it is their, their interaction in episode two still doesn't really make sense to me how, how it progressed in that episode, but I do think it's been handled really, really nicely in these last four episodes. And, and again, and ends up being a very worthwhile growing experience for Obi-Wan's character at this point. 
Yeah, I think apart from, you know, Obi-Wan having a very sentimental moment with everyone on the ship and, and expressing that they are the future, they're the ones worth protecting, you know, this moment with Hodge Esther, it just seems like, again, just a little development in his character to to trust, because given the fact that in episode three, how he was so untrustworthy of Hodge Esther, here he was able to say, you know what, no, your word is good because you, you have you have committed to your word and I, I, I trust you. And I agree. I think that they didn't really establish the relationship of, of how Hodge Esther just kind of suddenly just appreciated Obi-Wan but I think it has a lot to do with his name and knew who he was in history mm-hmm. to to kind of recognize oh you're Obi-Wan Kenobi um so I think that he's just kind of like in in this moment is is started to he's he's earning he's earning the respect of someone that he kind of sees as a hero right so like am I just missing the fact that he was working with the path all of this time he was just doing it in a way that he could profit from yes. it as well, right? Yes. See, yeah. I just didn't yes. yeah. feel that come through as well as I kind of wish it had mm-hmm. to justify everything that does sort of happen in the relationship. But again, right. I think he could be an important character that we might see again in a certain show coming 100%. up soon. And so the way they're 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 using this show to tie into future shows is terrific. It it, it makes it that much more worthwhile outside of our main story that we're going to get to later, obviously. All right, yeah, continuing here, uh, we find ourselves on Tatooine. Owen has received a heads up from a friend who uh, we saw being interrogated. He tells them that Reva is on her way. Owen goes back to his house and tells Brew uh, of this new development and begins to plan an exit strategy, but she has another plan. Uh, She won't leave her home, and she insists that they need to protect Luke. That's all That's all that Luke needs is them. And she then reveals a stash of blasters, which I think is completely badass, yeah. and begins to make a strategy plan of her own, uh, preparing for Reva's inevitable arrival. Owen is, is actually extremely taken back by this and decides to follow along. Uh, back on the ship, Obi-Wan attempts to reason with Leia once more before he departs, giving her a gift. Uh, Tala's holster, which uh, they found before leaving Jabiam. He reluctantly promises that he will see her again, and the two hug and part ways. While Obi-Wan awaits for a dropship to be prepared, he attempts to commune with Qui-Gon one more time, saying he needs to face Anakin. Whether he dies or his former apprentice does, this ends today. Roken is there to see him off, and with words of wisdom, Obi-Wan encourages Roken to keep being a leader by saying, there aren't many leaders left, people follow you, don't stop. And Roken replies, I'm just getting started. Obi-Wan then jumps aboard his dropship and flies the opposite direction to lure Vader away. The Grand Inquisitor notes the escape craft, leaving the transport with one person aboard, but urges Vader to continue pursuing the rebels. This is their chance to wipe them out entirely. Vader, though, laser focus, uh, instructs them to follow Kenobi. So we'll stop here. First, let's talk about Brew uh, and her badass, like, mo- protective mom mode. Because, like, the whole crowd was, like, so shocked when she was just, like, she's, like, opening this this thing and yeah. she's pulling out blast. She's like, we are all that he needs. I, I thought it was pretty badass. How about she, you guys? Baru, it, hashtag badass Baru uh, needs to be trending <laughs> as soon as we can. I think she's fantastic. Um, I, I got to wonder, what is she putting in that blue milk? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she must be putting something in that blue milk for her just to be like, like ready for, for action. Um, but no, I, I, I do think it was cool to, to see um, 
these two back again uh, from seeing them at the end of Revenge of the Sith to here. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was awesome, and it, it's cool to see them in the series. I, I think we it would have been nice to get a little bit more of them, uh, and even little Luke, I think, in this show, had it not just been six episodes. But um, still, what we did get was, was pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... You know, farmers are equipped to protect their land and protect their property and, and everything like that. And and that's sort of what this is, right? That's why they're all stocked up and ready, you know, in case some, mm-hmm. some Tusken Raiders come by or some Jawas are trying to steal right. some shit. But, I mean, it's still... Like, she turns into the Terminator here. <laughs> that's not my Baru. My Baru is... Yeah. She's serving me milk and, like, to, to, you know... <laughs> Making sure that I, you know, I wash up after a long day in the fields. I, she's not a gun-toting badass. I, that's, that's a bit much for me. I loved it. I think it just it adds a layer to the character that is, is you know, it's again, it's not seen. Um, and I think that there's room for that. That Again, the whole audience was just kind of like, woo! Like firing off at, at, at just how badass it was. And I think it really hit, too, when she grabbed the gun and she just says, like, we are all that he needs, right? Like, we're, we're not bringing anyone Let's else go. In. Da, 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 yeah, da, da, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I also Sarah wanna, Cotter, for sure. I also want to uh, just bring up, um, kind of back on the, the ship, I mean, shout out to O'Shea Jackson Jr. as well as Roken, because, like, for for uh, oh, so for good. the first episode, I was like, "Who's this Roku guy?" Like <laughs> Roku yeah. guy, and it was it's Roken. But but you know, I think it was fantastic to see him. I think the when he's like when Obi Wan says, "Don't stop," and he's like, "I'm just getting started." Like, yeah, hundred percent. If we get him and Kumal uh, in Andor or in Jedi Survivor, would be amazing to see um, just how how tied they are to the story of both the Rebels and the Jedi. I think it's such a, a perfect fit for them. But I also, I just really wanted to quickly also just talk about the gift that he gave from Tala, the holster, uh, to Leia. So great. I, I think that was a really nice moment. I will say I kind of wish that the item itself was something that we did see a little bit later that might have been a little more iconic uh, for the Leia character, like maybe like the a belt or you know something like that, like that could have just carried forward a little bit. Um, just because to to think that again the sort of legacy here was was given to her and and then sort of doesn't really show up later. I guess it's a little bit more. Um, it's more sentimental. I guess it's more the idea that he's like he's giving her sort yeah. of the 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 push, like like with Roken yeah. to sort of say like keep going, keep becoming that that change that you want to see, yeah. uh, and keep leading because yeah. you are also a leader. But you're right because yeah. that is the holster that Leia would use for the rest of her life. Right? She and would she never not use this holster, and so it is yeah. just a case of. Yeah, it's just one of a billion continuity canon sort of issues they have when you're trying to squeeze in stuff between this many established properties. Right. There's only so many legacy things that they can pull in before they have to start creating some new stuff. And, and I get it. It can get lost. But I'd like to believe that she still has it. It's just still holds sentimental value. I don't think it necessarily means that's her holster or mm-hmm. that's her blaster. It's not like giving Han Solo a blaster. Right. It's a, it's a holster that was attached to someone that inspired her and sacrificed that, that her life for that her. There's it would mean exactly, a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's an item that is more attached to a person than it is to 
who she is going to be. It's not like a lightsaber, right? It's it's the idea of what Tala did for her. I think that's that's the that's the important part. But speaking of Roken, I I, I definitely think he's going to be coming back. Uh, I think the sentiments of you know I'm just getting started is is definitely that indication. And you know I think if we can get Kumal in another one of these, that would be great because his comedy just finds such a natural way to kind of fit in the Star Wars canon. Like it, it, you know what I mean? Like he's still himself. Very much uh, in this series. It doesn't feel like he is putting on uh, um, any sort of like portrayal, if you will. Right. It's just Kumal in in space, if you will, in Star Wars. So (laughs) it's really great. Um, I also thought it was really interesting to hear, you know, I know Darcy would probably be able to elaborate on this a little bit more. But the Grand Inquisitor kind of standing up to Darth Vader in that moment and saying, you know, "I, I don't think we should go after Kenobi. Um, I think we we should be going after the rest of them. You know, in the comics, Darth Vader actually has a feud with the Grand Inquisitor and the two kind of face off uh, against one another. So if that's what we're kind of seeing here, a little bit of a... It's a know your role, feels... bitch, you know, is, is what <laughs> yeah, exactly, Darth is going to yeah. get out of that. Yeah, <laughs> But <laughs> exactly. you got to imagine, too, that like for for him to choose these, these uh, Jedi now Inquisitors... Uh, as sort of his right hand, you know, he's he's got to expect them to kind of be pretty strong-willed and 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 very opinionated, and and obviously they're going to clash because they're both evil. <laughs> they they both really just want what's yeah. best for them, uh, and so obviously that's going to happen. But yeah, I did that moment. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, he got him. He got him. Shut up, Inquisitor, dude. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's keep going here as Obi-Wan braces for what he believes to be their final showdown of him and Vader. He finds Lola in his pocket. Leia must have uh, hidden the droid while hugging him. And of course, we know she's very crafty in, in the way she can hide things and get things, if you will. Yeah. Um, but following Obi-Wan's dropship uh, onto the barren moon, we see Vader land and come face to face with his former master. He asks, have you come to destroy me, master? Obi-Wan whips out his blue lightsaber and utters the same thing he told Anakin just before they battled on Mustafar. I will do what I must. Then you will die, Vader responds. And then the clash begins. And at the same time as this, we see Reva arriving at Owen's farm in pursuit of Luke. A prepped and positioned Owen and Brew fire blasters, which she deflects. She looks very sloppy in these moments too, right? As she kind of fights off these blasters, not as refined as we've seen her, because we can see that she's kind of succumbing to her injuries yeah. uh, very much so. Um, she ends up getting right to to Luke, uh, only for Luke to escape, which she then follows and chases after him in the dunes. Um, so this is this is kind of like, the reason why I put this here is because it's an interesting how they've, they're trying to intertwine these two stories right now. We start off with, you know, a really great confrontation, the confrontation that we've been waiting for here with yeah. Vader and Obi-Wan. And I feel like I don't think we should leave it. Um, I don't think we should leave it. I think we need to see this through. But right when it's getting good and, you know, as they as they clash, they have a, you know, a couple hits. Boom. We're taken out just to remind us of where they where where Reva is in that part of the story, which I don't know. How did you guys feel about it? I feel like it was a little disjointed. It just kind of took me out some from time to time. I hear you on that. I think I think it 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 did, but at the same time, like it was just such a an epic moment, an epic scene that I just 
I wasn't as phased by it. I think you're right. Like, I, I think that that moment with Riva is not that memorable, and it kind of almost is overshadowed. Like, it's de- well, it's definitely overshadowed by the stuff with with Obi Wan and Vader. Exactly. And so it's it's kind of like, yeah, why put that there? But, uh, dude, just even getting to see, you know, the moment, the 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 classic over the head pose with the blue <laughs> lightsaber after that line. Like, I was giggling. I was so happy with that. Yeah, the crowd popped on that one. I'm sure. It's crazy. I mean, I could have done without any of the stuff on Tatooine that happens in this whole episode. Uh, and in particular, when it was cutting in to this confrontation. This is the only reason you could basically justify this show existing. And it's been done. It was done so well. Like, as much as I'm going to complain about certain aspects of it later on. The opening shot of this is maybe a top five Star Wars shots in history. It is the most sci-fi looking shot they've ever done. The the, the planetscape, the, the colors, everything. It was so epic. It finally made everything that we've been seeing feel worth it. It justified the existence of this show. And then they instantly cut away to set up. Another kid running away from somebody who should be a lot more powerful than them. That whole tattooing yeah. thing ruined the climax. It didn't ruin it, but it really did cut into the climax of this show several different times. I will say Luke was not afraid. I love that line. I'm not afraid. Uh, calling back to the, the the old school ones. And we get a few of those in this in this uh, episode. For sure. But, I- but that planet reminded me uh, a lot of... The end of Rebels on Lothal yes. when, when Ezra sees the Lothwolves. I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's just giving me the, I, those vibes so much. I was trying to find a name for this planet. I, I couldn't <laughs> find it. I don't know if any of our listeners know, but like I was totally like, is this from Rebels? It looked familiar, especially with the way the moon was positioned, those tall, those tall rock cliffs. It it was the perfect backdrop for this lightsaber duel. It, it was the right amount of dark that allowed for the blue and the red to really kind of showcase and the way the light hit them uh, in specific moments. And, and we're going to get into the more specific moments in, in a second here. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that they they took us out to show us something that was not really relevant. I think what we came here to see was what we were getting. And then they just kind of cut away for a minute to say, oh, remember this storyline? Um, I would have rathered them just stay with Vader and, and Obi-Wan. And if they were going to go back to that, come back to it towards the end where we find Obi-Wan on his way to try to stop Reva on Tatooine. So. Yeah, they could have done that all in like one scene after the, the confrontation instead of weaving it through. But it's like, remember, you're supposed to really care about Reva. Okay, continuing on. Back on the moon, Vader notes that Obi-Wan's strength has returned, but the weakness still remains. The Sith Lord then smashes his hand on the ground using the Force and creates a hole with Obi-Wan inside of it. He then proceeds to bury Obi-Wan under more rocks, saying, did you truly think you could defeat me? You have failed, Master. But Vader didn't kill his former master. Instead, Obi-Wan uses the Force to stop the rocks from crushing him. Fueled by the memories of both Luke and Leia, he repulses them back and away from him and catches up with Vader and their lightsaber duel continues. Obi-Wan fights with everything he's got, putting on full display his mastery and talent as as a lightsaber duelist. Just as Vader did to him, Obi-Wan hurls massive amounts of rocks towards Vader, disorienting him, and then proceeds to smash his chest piece and moves around Vader 
using the Force to further disorient him. Eventually, Obi-Wan bests Vader and slashes his helmet open. The move weakens Vader, who gasps for air with half of his face exposed. It's then that Kenobi sees his Padawan's face for the first time and says, Anakin. Through his damaged vocord, we hear Hayden Christensen's voice distorted with that of James Earl Jones's voice as Vader tell his former master that Anakin is gone. I am what remains. We see Obi-Wan become overwhelmed with emotion. He tells him he's sorry for what happened in the past, but Vader dismisses it. I am not your failure. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did, says Vader, before vowing to destroy Obi-Wan in kind. Realizing that his friend is truly dead, Kenobi tells the broken man before him, goodbye, Darth, and walks away. Through an enraged voice, a weakened Vader calls out Obi-Wan and collapses to his knees, steadying himself against the rocks. And that is the end of their duel. I think this is probably the single best piece of Star Wars content, like just this this duel, this whole sequence, everything we got here. Uh, I, and, you know, even the lead up, this is Star Wars. This is this is what, as Kevin was saying, what the show promised. Yeah, and it's it's funny because their first confrontation was not, was not what we were promised. So getting to it and and kind of seeing Obi-Wan really kind of weakened. I get it. He's got to get his strength back. But but getting that first confrontation was a little disappointing because it was like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy was just like, yeah, we, it's going to be the rematch of the century. This was the rematch of the century. I absolutely love these moments. And I got to say, seeing Vader getting pelted with rocks made a lot of sense because we all know that rocks are just bigger sand. Right. So like that, that's it. It makes total sense that it would be his weakness. But uh, in, in, in seriousness, I love the line where he's like, your strength is returned, but the weakness still remains. That's an obviously all time great Darth Vader line. An right? all it's, timer. It's so it is good. like the and, most quintessential, perfectly written Darth Vader line that we've seen since the, o, the OG trilogy. And it's him talking about his you know, his Obi-Wan's love for Anakin. That's that weakness. But we find out through the him pushing the rocks back that it's his love for Leia and Luke that are actually his strength. And I think that's so beautiful. Um, and I, I got to say, I called it in our previous episode. Helmet got cut open. We got to see Hayden's face. And when the voice kept switching back and forth between Vader and Anakin, dude, I honestly, I started to tear up a little bit like I was really it was really powerful the the performances on by these two guys was just so good I mean give them the Emmy for sound mixing now because that is what it was yeah. such a cool effect and it worked so well and the way the yeah. blue light changes to the red light when he goes oh, from speaking to on. him as Anakin one last time to fully just giving over to Darth Vader. Amazing stuff. Yeah, I, I think that they they knew what they were doing, obviously, by you know, showing the face, very rebels, and giving us the dynamic between the two voices that we identify as as Anakin and Darth Vader to help tell the story of the loss of Anakin. I think it was it, it was perfect and it was the emotional gut punch that the series needed. Uh, in, in my opinion, we were getting hints of it, but here we really get the full-fledged punch as we see the last little bit of Anakin kind of fade and Vader kind of consume. I think that 
the 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 way this was all handled, the choreography of the fighting, um, the the attention to how the the fight and the emotional parts were were treated, uh, I think that th- this was like was the single best lightsaber duel that 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 we've gotten in Star Wars, hands down, uh, better than the one on Mustafar, in my opinion, um, just because it's it's it really does kind of feel very uh, real, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's infinitely better than their fight. In, in episode three, infinitely, because it's mm-hmm. not Star Wars Cirque du Soleil. It's it's two guys <laughs> with utter hatred using the force against each other, not using yeah, acrobats. Every move yeah. they make makes yeah. sense, and it is a it is an attempted death blow. It's them trying to stop the other person, not be the fanciest swordsman in the world. Like it just this was this was this is the kind of fighting that we got. I know everybody's gonna bitch about the lightsaber duel you get in episode four but in five and six they're two terrific lightsaber fights and and it's there's no flipping there's none of that crap it is just you know lightsaber on lightsaber using the darth uses the force to whip things at at anakin maybe he learned that from this battle or at luke rather maybe he learned that in this battle facing off with obi-wan here right to use his surroundings anyways i do is this when i can start to nitpick a little bit get a little bit nitpicky because, I mean, sure. am I allowed to be upset that Obi-Wan just bests the most powerful Force user in the galaxy for a second time? And this time it's not even because Anakin lets his arrogance get the best of him. Uh, it's just he simply just outduels him here. Like, that just that bugs mm. me a little bit. I think it's it just shows, though, that, like... He still hasn't learned from his mistakes. Again, we saw it so much in the previous episode, in episode five, where they tied it. I thought that, and that was a beautiful, uh, you know, speaking of cutting back and forth between things, that was the way to do it. Mm. Cutting back from the, the training uh, moments. Yeah, it made sense. Right? It influenced, influenced the story in the present by showing us the past. Which so, was awesome. You know, again, that's 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 detective, yeah. And I, I got to say, like, it's just the, the fact that he, I think it makes sense that he loses. I think he would always lose from Obi-Wan because of, of you know, he, he, Obi-Wan is his master. And I think even getting to see the way they fight here, we see like the behind the back block, which is like straight out of that sequence that we saw in the previous one. I just think it's just showing that like no matter what happens, he'll always never be at that level. And even when he does best Obi-Wan in A New Hope, he still doesn't quite understand what's going on. There's that brief moment where Vader looks down at that cloak and he's he's kind of confused. Anakin still doesn't fully understand the Force to the degree that Obi-Wan does uh, through his training with Qui-Gon. And I think, I don't know, man, I think, it, I think it made a lot of sense and I think it plays to the theme that they're trying to show throughout this entire series. I guess so. Okay, I'm just going to give you a bit of how I would have done it. Because I wouldn't have changed <laughs> sure. a thing that happened. I wouldn't have changed a thing, just the order in which it did happen. I would have mm. had them have their terrific, amazing lightsaber battle. I would have mm-hmm. had it get to the point where Obi-Wan does best Anakin. He strikes his vocal box, his breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. He strikes the mask. They have their confrontation. They're both tired, but you know Obi-Wan seems to have the upper hand. But then Anakin shows that he is still the most powerful force user in the galaxy. That's when he buries Obi-Wan in the rocks mm-hmm. and he walks away thinking he's killed Obi-Wan. And that's why he says the line, this is a presence I haven't felt since. That's how they yeah. could have justified all of this. And then mm-hmm. you have Obi-Wan 
essentially use every last inch of the force that he has in him, kind of like Luke does in episode um, uh, eight. That's where you have him blast out he of the, the rocks. He reaches up, he crawls up, and it's worn him. It's worn him down to the point where he does look physically older and more drained, a little bit mm-hmm. more like he'll look nine years later. Like you could have, they could have used this as an opportunity to eliminate any questions people had about the aging difference and anything like that. And it could have perfectly bridged the gap where it has been nine years. Darth thought he killed Obi-Wan. That's why he never goes to look for him again. Like they just leave so many things open-ended here. Why did, you know, like I just, I would have loved to have seen it gone that way. I just think it would have made more sense for continuity's sake, but also just justified character decisions a bit better. Obi-Wan leaving Anakin alive here is selfish. He admits, you're no longer my friend. Anakin is truly dead, but he still leaves Darth alive to go and terrorize the galaxy for another 10 years. And that Mm. doesn't work for me in terms of Obi-Wan's character. Again, that's the thing with with a lot of moments where Star Wars fans are like, well, what about this? Why doesn't this happen this way? And why didn't they tie this together? It's because there's more. (laughs) There's always more Star Wars and there's always more open-ended moments. And that's kind of by design. Again, I I agree with you. So you're thinking... thinking you're thinking there's a season two. That uh, not necessarily a season two, that. but again, there's so much. There's comic books, right? There's there's video games. Now that like like we are in a, a world of Star Wars is one giant open canon that that you know maybe we see a short animated thing that's done in the style of like a samurai cartoon. I don't know. Like I'm just saying, like it's it's it, th- this is by design. This is how they do Star Wars. That's just it, and I agree with you. I don't think that's the best way to do it, but um, but yeah, yeah like I think let that me might ask you: Do you only want to see these two ever see each other again? Like honestly, we, how much more can you really cram in? How many more confrontations can they really right. have before it loses all meaning? Mm, yeah, yeah. Before before it diminishes uh, the significance of their their meeting in a new hope. I I agree. I I, I think that um, honestly, in the moment, I didn't think about it until after. I was so enamored with everything else that just came before it, and the fact that Vader was just on his knees, and we're hearing both a James Earl Jones scream and so Hayden good. Christensen fused together. It, it it almost topped the 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 Kenobi. Uh, from right Darth Maul, from Darth Maul uh, in, in Rebels, in, in, yeah, um, in Rebels. So I, I do want to just jump in though, really quickly. As we're, I mean, we're going long on we again. As I said, we could do a whole podcast on just this one battle. But um, the line, you know, then my friend is truly dead. It like it took seeing Obi Wan's um, or sorry, it took seeing Anakin's face to give Obi Wan the permission to say goodbye. And that was, I think, it just was so perfect in the sense that it was like coupled from the moment when I think we talked in, in the previous watch club of like him talking to Riva and having to justify in his mind that he's going to have to make the choice between his brother and his, you know, his mortal enemy. And in here he just sees Vader. And I, I have to say when he walks away and he doesn't give him the recognition of Vader and he just calls him Darth, like, dude, that was phenomenal because he's just, he's not giving him the, the, you know, the recognition of Darth Vader. He's just kind of saying, okay, well, you're nothing more than well, it, Darth. It, it That fills the plot hole of A New Hope as well, right? Because a lot of people said, well, why didn't he call him Anakin? Or why didn't he call him Vader? Mm-hmm. He just called him Darth. Yeah. Right? And to your point, yes, it's now seen as more of an insulting dig yeah. to, to... It's cool. Uh, That's a cool to, retcon. To Darth Vader. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a cool retcon, right? I also think, though, that it didn't take him to have to see Anakin. It took Anakin to say, I'm not your failure. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did, mm. right? For him to feel the idea that he did as much as he could to help. It's almost like Anakin saying to Obi-Wan, I'm the yeah. one who killed Anakin Skywalker. You, which, didn't, you didn't do it. I did it. Right, right, which is another retcon to the moments when Obi-Wan tells Luke that you're yeah Vader he doesn't seem like a dick now right your father <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly like it's like yeah. cool so yeah. again they find ways to to retcon certain things and then i guess they miss other things with with aging and what have you um so yeah i get that but no dude this i, I can't say this is like I, i'm still on the the debate of like this being like my number one lightsaber duel of all time i'm not gonna go that far uh but this was incredible it was fantastic. I, I maybe not the best, but I think a tie for for best could be uh, Maul and Obi Wan in Episode One. Just uh, saying, that, dude. that one was 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 pretty epic. No love for like um, the two okay. OG greatest battles. Empire Strikes Back and and Return of the Jedi are terrific battles, just because they don't have the fancy bells and whistles of special effects that the other ones benefit from. Those are some great battles. Sure. You, you mentioned their names when you're talking about the best. <laughs> oh gosh, Kevin, I won't bring up I won't bring up one of my favorites from The Last Jedi then. Jeez. Okay, never mind. That, was, that, was, that is an excellent 3-minute long battle. It's a really yeah. cool 3-minute long lightsaber battle. So, uh let's uh, let's keep going here. Um while in the dropship uh leaving this this unknown planet when Vader is licking his wounds uh obi-wan senses luke is in danger and hits light speed to head to tatooine luke has fallen after being force pushed off a rocky ledge by reva and he sits unconscious when reva approaches him for the kill she sees herself at his age and the memories of anakin slaughtering the younglings in the jedi temple come rushing back with her lightsaber raised she now realizes that she has become what she has feared and that is her enemy darth vader obi-wan lands at owen's farm and sees both owen and brew calling out for luke they then prepare to search for him through the dunes but reva appears in the distance returning with the unconscious boy in her arms she tells Obi-Wan she couldn't do it, and she has failed her dead friends. However, Obi-Wan doesn't see it that way, insisting she has honored them and has given them peace. When Reva asks if she has become Darth Vader, Obi-Wan says no. She has chosen not to, and who she is now is entirely up to her. Reva places her Inquisitor lightsaber in the sand, and Obi-Wan declares them both free. Um, I gotta say, this was probably my... My, my largest problem with this with this episode mm. is this sort of tacked on forced closure for for Riva. I think her story and her acting was fantastic, but her story throughout now just feels so tacked on. I wish this series was just about Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and that if they were going to do this Riva story, it would have been its own series, its own thing that that could have flowed and talked about just the Inquisitors and the right hand of, of Darth Vader as they hunt the galaxy and mm. we learn more about her plot to like want to get revenge at Vader. Like I think they're, that story's interesting and it is very interesting, but it, it just, I don't know, just it kind of, it feels insulting to the character not to give her some sort of conclusion, especially given the journey that she's been on through this series. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. How did you guys feel about this? Like it, it makes sense that they told this story here because because she knows the truth, she uses Obi-Wan as the bait to apparently try and trap Darth Vader, even though 
her plan doesn't really ever come to fruition. It's Obi-Wan who tells her to like go into like it, it never it's it, it wasn't executed very well. And I have no problem with the, the portrayal as Riva. Uh, I just think the character isn't all that interesting and isn't justified enough to sort of be in this position. And again, because there's shoehorning in between so much content, and you have to work with rules like Luke basically can't ever see the Force be used or ever right. see a lightsaber until he mm-hmm. meets Obi Wan. That you know, or or you know, has the journey with Obi Wan. So you've got this again, another Force wielding being who is getting outrun by a little child. Like they had to go back to the the kid chase scene one more time in this show. <laughs> yeah. And like, sure, they've got the the built-in Kylo excuse that she's wounded and not that strong. But again, it just, it was so clunky. It was so corny. And it, it, the payoff didn't justify it, it happening for me. It just, it didn't feel worth it. I, I thought they were building a fantastic character with, with Riva. I was really intrigued. I was hoping she was... Like she would get a little bit more resolve at the end of this. I get it. She's free. She can be her. her, I just, I don't know. It just, it felt like she was so integral and then she's just kind of forgotten, I guess, in in this last episode. Justin, for me, it's more the, where the character ended up. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I feel like I've, I've been a bit of a bigger fan of Riva throughout. I've kind of really enjoyed the story. I got the sense pretty much immediately with with her very first scene that like no yeah. she is she is out for revenge she is driven um and i think yeah. i think the big thing again like i i loved the idea of her story i think the ending though you're right is the weakest part of it um in that yeah. in that we don't know where she's going now i feel like if there was some sense of what was next for her this might have felt a little bit better but it literally feels like they could just say listen uh the character didn't track as well with the majority of our audiences for some reason we're gonna we're gonna you know what i mean I know, but I, I, I agree with you. I've been a huge fan of Riva and Moses and her portrayal of this character the entire time. I think it was just a matter of finding out her intentions. I think we, you know, again, when we find them out, it, it is a great reveal and it does yeah. solidify a lot of what we already thought. But again, like after last week's episode and, and the focus that it gave her, I just, I don't know. This It seemed to like she just dropped off after this and she just was not important anymore. And I think that's a real disgrace to the, the character that they were building through the previous five episodes to mm-hmm. suddenly just leave her and, and, and not give her some sort of an ending because the next two scenes, you know, that I'm going to talk about is it's like, it's like Lord of the Rings. These, the, the, this, this ending here, because yeah. we, we just kind of get like the sort of closing caps of, of these other stories. So she feels like she didn't get a, a full resolution yeah. um, uh, to, to her closure. It was just kind of like, Oh, they're free. Right. Even a sequence so of her, happen? even a sequence of her, just, you know, the, the next steps for what she's about to do. Like she gets on a ship with a character that we know, or like she says something in terms of like, or she what gets her next... on a ship. Yeah. Even getting... <laughs> she gets on <laughs> sure. a ship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just just show me something that she's going to go. Like, I guess it's to assume that we will see her right. again at some point. But I, I just I felt like if anything, this character felt like she mattered more and, and, and more integral. And then it just in this last episode, it just it felt so. It's like easy. It the ship she needs to be getting on is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There and you go. she's there to help them forge the 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 resistance that would have been that would have been amazing like that's that would have been better than just 
them lying in the dark desert. I don't know. It was silly. I, 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 I that was my like actually watching. It was quite it again anticlimactic after to, that to, incredible. Yeah, we yeah. had already got exactly. the climax of this episode, and then this was yeah. a yeah. really long fizzle yeah. out. Yeah, and that long fizzle out. Let's let's get right into it. On Mustafar, Vader speaks with Darth Darth Sidious through hologram. Sidious notes that Lord Vader seems agitated, which I died laughing when I heard it both times when I watched this episode yeah. and wonders if if uh, his thoughts on his old master have left him weakened. Uh, Vader insists that Kenobi now means nothing to him and that he serves his new master. Then the Imperial March kicks in, which was pretty sweet. I love that scene. That was pretty cool. Uh, we also then return to Alderaan. Leia dresses herself with uh, a new modification, Tala's holster, no gun, of course. Uh, with uh, Queen Bria and Bail Organa. They both love her new look, and Leia is ready to become a leader, uh, with a few changes, of course. All three are greeted by Obi-Wan, who offers his help to the Organas, should they ever need it again. He also comes clean with Leia about knowing his, her parents. Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are the qualities that came from your mother, he tells her. But you are also passionate and fearless and forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. So touching. Kenobi wishes he could divulge more, but Leia says he doesn't have to. When asked if she will ever see him again, Kenobi tells her maybe if she ever needs help from a tired old man. However, no one must know or that could endanger them both. Leia hugs him goodbye, and Obi-Wan offers his familiar parting words, may the Force be with you. So, two scenes here. First, Mustafar's scene with Darth Vader. Uh, I, I thought that scene with Darth Sidious was kind of like, it kind of reminded me of that robot chicken skit with the Emperor. Uh, <laughs> sure. You know, just like, Yo, you seem agitated, friend. It's <laughs> like, just so funny. Yeah, it was a bit of a joke, but I, I got to say... <laughs> yeah. Again, the cinematography in the in the shot moving away from Vader as he's sitting on the throne, it looks like you're inside his helmet. Like the red Mustafar skies look like the eyes of the helmet from the from the vantage point of what he sees inside his helmet every day. I just that was phenomenal. That was so fantastic. And also, yeah. shout out to whoever's repairing his suits. Or do you think he has like multiple of those? He's helmets? got a you think he's got more than one. Of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, All right. Because yeah. like he got that fixed yeah. up pretty quick. Um. But yeah, man. Yeah. No, I think I do. As, as sort of silly as it was, I I, I did love seeing Palpy again, and uh, and yeah, that shot, you know, coming out was so cool. See, but again, this is where having Darth think that he's won and defeated Obi Wan works so much better than the Emperor saying, oh, you just don't worry about this incredibly powerful Jedi that just beat you. I won't even worry about it, even though my whole mission was to eradicate the Jedi. We even have a group of Inquisitors whose job it is to hunt Jedi. We're just going to completely forget about Obi-Wan now and let him go off and do whatever it is that he wants to do. That's yeah. that well, he shit. That makes no sense. And, and and it's a cheap way to justify that Darth just gives up on his pursuit of Obi-Wan. Well, I he hated says that. Well, he de he didn't give up. He said he is sending out all remaining probes across across the galaxy to find him, and he will find him. He's 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 consumed by wanting to find, find him. Obi Wan. Obi Wan goes to no, he doesn't. To no. Darth's whole planet, 
and they don't find him. Give me a break. If he was dead, if they thought he was dead, they wouldn't even have to look for him, and that would have just worked no, so I, much No, I agree better. with you. I, I agree with you. I think it works better in, in terms of where we're going with the canon for it to look like Obi-Wan was dead, and it would justify why, you know, in A New Hope, Vader has that moment, a presence that I haven't felt for you know, and then just walks off because he was under the impression that Obi-Wan was dead. So, you know, again, I don't know what the future holds for this series. There's a lot of people that want a season two. I personally don't. God, I don't no. think we need it. But that being said, uh, let's get into the final moment, the moment that we've all been waiting for. Uh, well, two moments, actually. First one here. After returning to Tatooine, Obi-Wan is wearing his old Jedi robes while packing up his cave uh, that he's been living in for the last decade. Uh, he also rides to the Lars farm and the former Jedi master is invited by Owen to finally meet Luke. And we get the hello there. Finally. He said the, the thing, Justin, uh, he said, <laughs> he the, said thing. the thing. I know. <laughs> I know. And he was able to give the toy. Yes. To Luke. Uh, so he does, he does meet Luke uh, shortly after this. Obi-Wan rides through the desert and he sees his old master Qui-Gon Jinn as a force ghost. Uh, Obi-Wan says he was starting to think his old master would never come. Qui-Gon then says, I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see. But now that Kenobi is ready, they have a ways to go. And the two, Obi-Wan rides off into Beggar's Canyon uh, with Qui-Gon, apparently, and the episode ends. So that is it. We finally got our, our Qui-Gon scene. Um, which which was uh, what you guys think? What you guys think seeing seeing him show up in this in this manner? I it, it's uh, I I don't know, man. I was I was both really stoked and kind of disappointed we didn't get it a little bit earlier. Um, I think, dude, seeing Liam Neeson as Qui Gon again was just so stellar. He's he's such an incredible character that we lost way too soon, and 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 obviously there's a little bit more of his character filled out in comics, but. He, uh, I, I, I like to think that the conversations like that they had going forward was just like, like all the awkward things that like Qui-Gon has probably seen Obi-Wan do while he's in that gross cave. Um, but I also, I also more seriously like to think that the moment that Vader strikes down Obi-Wan and he says, I'll become more powerful than anything you could ever imagine or something like that. Um, he, he, he gets struck, he gets struck down. I th I like to think that whatever Obi or whatever Qui Gon instilled in him here by telling him about the Living Force and how to embrace it, I think that's what prepared Obi Wan for that moment. And I think that was part of his sort of next phase of training. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. That is what their that is where their journey's going. Um, yeah. And like, I don't even necessarily need to see it happen, but I'd like to imagine. That it's it's you know the next few years are Qui Gon teaching Obi Wan how to not live forever you know but live forever through the Force and yeah. I through think the force, yeah. I think if you were going to do a second season what you do is you have a slightly older Luke going to visit that old friend of his Ben Kenobi and he's always seeing him talking to himself. <laughs> Talking to crazy old nothing. Ben. Yeah. That's why he's yeah. crazy old Ben. <laughs> That's incredible, right? And then there you yeah. you go. You've justified all of all of this. The yeah. why he doesn't know more about him or anything like that about him. But I will say, I do wish we had even just heard Qui Gon a bit earlier. Very yeah. much like Ben reintroducing himself to Luke 
as a force ghost with the, you know, just hearing him in the background, mm-hmm. you know, uh, use the force, Luke, use the force, Luke. If you could have heard the voice of Qui-Gon saying, you've got to do this for the children, um, Obi-Wan. You've got to do this for the kids, Obi-Wan. Something like that mm-hmm. while he's battling mm-hmm. Darth. And that was what gave him that that last bit of uh, strength to overcome Vader in that battle. And then they could have had the face-to-face talk in the canyon, much like Luke then does with, with Obi-Wan in Empire. It would have just really made that whole thing a lot more full circle and 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 I, again, it was great to see Qui-Gon, one of my faves, but I think it would have been cool to hear him first and then see him. I think I think it's just, I think it's his attachment though, right? Again, the Jedi speak so much of your attachment is, is like a weakness that prevents you from being able to sort of utilize the force in the way that we want to train you. And I think, I think that was it. I think he had to have gotten to that place where he said goodbye to Anakin first before he could see... Qui-Gon. That was the impression I got. I think it's that. I also think it was the idea of trusting that Luke needs to be protected by others, right? Because it's really after he he goes and he absolves himself and says that to, to Owen, right? Like, all Luke needs is you two. He needs to be a boy. He needs to, to live his life. He doesn't need someone to watch him and protect him, right? Yeah. He needs to just live his life. And I think that uh, that with the fact but that... But then they don't know, let him do that, by the, the way. <laughs> then they don't let no. him do that at all. Well, no, and, what do you mean? I'm sorry, but he wants to go to capable. Tashi Station to get some power converters, and they're like, "No, you got to go sure. do your farm work, boy. You can't join the the. You can't become a pilot. Too bad. Like, no, like they sure. they kind of don't sure, get but there. But I hear what you're saying. And also, yeah, but as, they they're trying to protect him from from the future of what he. That's that's what yeah, they're I get doing, them not right? wanting. They don't him want him to go, to go be path. a pilot. They don't want him yeah. to go and dive that path and and be that character. But so, like, or be clearly, that, they're the not capable of protecting him because as badass as it was when they pull out the guns. They showed it against a very weak Reva that they could not protect Luke. Yeah. She almost killed him mm-hmm. under their yeah. watch. And then nine years later, if Luke hadn't, you know, gone to go chase down the missing droid, he'd have been smoked by a bunch of stormtroopers along with them. They didn't put up yeah. much of a fight there. You know what I mean? So they weren't all that capable of looking out, out for him, you know. Sure. sure. It was very irresponsible sure. of Obi-Wan to leave the most precious <laughs> young. I mean, they're also elderly the people galaxy. by that point though too. Like I hear what you're saying with the Reva thing. Not they are elderly. elderly old people. I think they were. I don't know. They were nine know. years older. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's the biggest thing. A lot of people were saying that too, is that, you know, Brew and, and, and Owen look far younger than when they would look nine years later. Yeah. Right? Like it it does. There is that that sort of time displacement because you, you you can't really try to make that match all that much. So it, it's a bit it's a bit tricky. Um, all right. Well, you know what? We've we've gone through the episode, guys. I think it's time to give our final thoughts on the episode and on the season as a whole. So uh, we will be doing it for for the episode. It'll be on a rating of one to five Force Ghosts, and for the season, it'll be out of one to five. Hello there. Um, Kev, why don't you kick things off? I definitely do think that for a show that for me sputtered along quite a bit at times and and really did just almost feel, I don't want to say completely unnecessary, but not justified enough that it, too many things were bugging me that I was a little confused about how I was going to feel about this when it all wrapped up. That said, this was by far the strongest episode of the show. It it 
almost single-handedly justified the existence of the show just for that incredible confrontation between between Obi-Wan and and Anakin or Darth, if you will. You know, um, I was always fine with the only confrontation ever seeing between Darth and Obi-Wan be their brief interaction in episode four. I, I, I had enough pieces of the puzzle filled in to understand their relationship that I didn't need to know anymore. And, and I think that's what all of this sort of boils down to. I think Star Wars is different for every single person. And I think for some people, they want to know every single aspect of these characters and they want to see every single important moment of their lives acted out on screen. For me, I never needed anything more than the original trilogy. And there was so much about seeing things in the prequel trilogy that it didn't cheapen, but it took away so much mystique from the moments and Mm -hmm. elements of the original trilogy that I loved. And so... I don't know. This whole show comes down to this fight and whether seeing Obi-Wan and Darth Vader have one more final battle, is that worth it? Did I need it? Um, in terms of the execution uh, for this episode, I'm going to give the episode my, my highest score of the season. I will give it 4.7 out of 5 Force Ghosts just because of how well executed the confrontation was of course i've mentioned in the episode how i would change the order of things just to make them make sense with episode four a little bit more but that said this was the best work of the season i can't believe just how well deborah chow did with with the visuals in this lightsaber fight making it one of the most visually not just beautiful to look at but physically excruciating and and just emotionally impactful it was so emo- it was it was it rivals that that sort of emotion you get in Jedi between father and son, you know, you fighting each other. And anyways, because um, that's very much what the relationship in a lot of ways is between Obi Wan and Darth. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the execution in this episode is terrific. The overall seat, the overall show itself, it just goes too deep into things that don't fit well enough between the prequel and original trilogies. It 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 opens up more questions than it does answer questions that I had and leaves me still asking, why, how does this work? This doesn't make sense. It just doesn't piece together enough to, to, to really be valid and, and worthwhile. And so that's why the score for the show itself will be a bit lower. I'll probably give it a 3.4 out of 5 hello there's just because... It answered questions I wasn't asking and popped up questions that I'm going, oh, God, I didn't want to need to know this, and now I do. So just it was, it was more frustrating than anything by the end, but the execution of this episode alone was terrific. Cool. Nate? Yeah, I, I think this episode <clears throat> was very predictable uh, in pretty much almost, almost every way. I will say I had so much fun with it, though. Like, I was just smiling ear to ear, I felt so many emotions. I was there was tearing up, uh, and and anything that can get me to tear up, you know that that puts my score up a little higher. Um, I, I I think you know if for me the episode felt like you're when you go to a restaurant and you're like I know exactly what I'm gonna order and I'm gonna get that meal and it's one of my favorite meals I've ever you know I ever have uh, and you get it and it's perfectly satisfying. That's what it, that's what this episode was for me as far as Star Wars is concerned. Uh, the performances from Hayden and Ewan are top level Star Wars for me. I mean that that scene alone probably would I would even go so far as to say well it might not be my favorite lightsaber battle. I think it's my favorite moment uh 
uh, between these two characters and I, uh, in, in, in Star Wars, between specifically between Obi-Wan uh, and Anakin uh, and Vader. Sure. Um, I think getting to see them work through their trauma to get to where they naturally end up later in the canon, I thought worked really, really well. And I think the music was fantastic uh, in this episode and, and just the way it was shot to what you were saying right off the bat, Kevin, this felt next level from anything we've seen in the series so far. And they knew like, this is, this is, this is the event uh, of the series. Um, And I think the only issues I had with it, Justin, like you said, the resolution for Reva's character just didn't feel satisfying enough, unfortunately. Um, and and the way that they sort of, uh, again, as we really went over, sort of cut to that scene that did feel a little unnecessary uh, was a little unfortunate. And again, I think the character deserved better. Um, so for me, I'm... It's so tricky because I'm like, I was going to go in with a four four 4.5... But now, like, just having the, this discussion of talking about that that one moment and the fact that that was the majority of our podcast was talking about that one confrontation that we've all been waiting for, um, I'm going to give this five out of five Force Ghosts. I think it was absolutely stellar. Now, for the series, and Justin, I think you and I were talking about this offline, I think the way that these series are written, like long movies, it both works for and against them because I think it seems to, they always seem to take a dip in the middle. Like, imagine watching the middle of a movie and then having to wait days to see the ending. It's not going to feel as good, that that middle chunk. And I feel like they need to adjust the formula a little bit, maybe to give us a little bit more stories that do kind of feel a little more self-contained week to week um, while having those flashbacks. Like, I think episode five of this series was also really, really fantastic with the way that it was structured. Um, and I think the series started off so strong with episodes one and two, and then three and four slowed down significantly, felt really padded out. And then back to the end of the movie with five and six, it picked right back up for this epic conclusion. So, um, you know, we hear, we hear Duel of the Fates, and it instantly brings us back to the best moments of The Phantom Menace. And say what you will about the quality of that entry, but that particular moment in Star Wars will always stay with me. And there were a few moments like that in this series that will always stay with me. The discussion between Obi-Wan and Reva in the previous episode, where Obi-Wan realizes he has to choose between his brother and his enemy. The moments between, you know, with Obi-Wan and, and Leia, where he describes her parents to her. The, the pathway walk when Obi-Wan first sees Vader for the first time. And of course, this final confrontation. They're all moments that as a Star Wars fan will stick with me forever. And I think Deborah Chow did an excellent job with this miniseries. I'd love to see what she could do with a movie. Sorry. I'd love to see what she could do with a movie. Uh, but again, I think the fact that this is a miniseries was its biggest challenge that it didn't quite overcome from a pacing perspective. So again, I enjoyed all of what we got. Um, so I'm going to give Obi-Wan Kenobi a solid four out of five. Hello, there's. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, uh, this is the best episode of this series. Uh, it brings all the emotion and all the action for the final episode. Uh, this this feels like an essential piece of Star Wars storytelling. Ewan McGregor excels at delivering some of his best acting as the character in this final episode, embracing the heart and the strength of this wise Jedi. And you couple that with Hayden Christensen's performance, you know, this made for the ultimate rematch on an emotional level. The bond that Vader and Obi-Wan uh, have is, is put on full display in this episode and delivers a better lightsaber duel than that of Revenge of the Sith, the choreography captures the tension and the aggression, but it's less gymnastics-y and, and flippity-doos and, <laughs> you know, tacky one-liners. It's, 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 it's an exciting duel that, 
showcases Obi-Wan's powers with that of, of Darth Vader. The most impactful part of this episode is the confrontation scene amidst, amidst the battle as Obi-Wan seeks forgiveness as Va and Vader assumes responsibility for, for, for killing Anakin. It's an emotional moment that delivers a closure for Obi-Wan to understand that there is no one left to save. The final episode delivered on everything I hoped it would be with an epic showdown between these two characters that feels so rooted in emotional connection and, and is just pivotal to, to who they are. I've talked about some of the, the things that I, I didn't like, like the, the, the sort of forced tacked on story with Riva. And I do think that those things take us out of what, what we're there for, right? We're there for the Star Wars. And this was the most Star Wars part of this episode was uh, uh, of this whole series uh, if you even want to say it is is seeing this ultimate showdown and i think that the the sort of flip floppity back and forth really did distract from what the focus of this this finale should have been and it's just the two of them but like you date i'm here for star wars and it delivered on star wars so i'm giving this a five out of five force ghosts <laughs> i was just floored with the moments i i will forever have it burned in my head. Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader's voice oh my gosh, mixing dude. with blue and red light on his face. It was fantastic. Uh, as for the series, though, in its entirety, it's not perfect. It has its slow filler episodes. But overall, the show did a great job at breathing new life into an existing canon. With Deborah Chow at the helm, the series feels like a consistent vision that captures a pocket of time and a galaxy and knows where the story must go because it's, it's playing with themes of hope. It shows both sides of, of having it and not having it and what that looks like as we, as we get towards a new hope. The score by Natalie Holt beautifully embraces all the themes of Star Wars and takes it in a new direction that still fits in the general musical canon of Star Wars. And the cast, we've talked about them. They're, they're absolutely incredible. Ewan's great. Hayden's amazing. Um, but also just the side characters that, that, we've, that we've had throughout this, this series, like O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, Vera, Moses, Vivian, um, Kumal, all of them were great. I don't know, though, if I need a season two with all these characters and Obi-Wan. I think I would like to see these characters pop up in other Star Wars content like yeah. we were kind of talking about already. And I think that goes for Obi-Wan as well. I don't think we need another Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I think we just move to seeing him show up in stories that are, are taking place in other series. But I think in the end, I'm torn because I feel like the show has two stories running through it. One that is focused on Obi-Wan and Vader and a story about Reva and her revenge and the story with the Inquisitors. I really do think that the best parts of this show are when we're focused on Obi-Wan and Vader. And that was probably the most interesting part. That's what I signed up for, really. Like, I, I wanted to see it because of that. I like the story that's definitely being explored with Reva. I think there's something interesting there. But I feel like towards the end here, just it, it didn't matter. You know, they made it matter and then up to a certain point and then they just kind of let it go. And that really just feels sort of hurtful to the story, right? And to the character that they've they've built. Um, so I feel like if it was its own series, things could have been fleshed out a little bit more and, and could have probably had a tighter conclusion for the character rather than feeling like another layer that's just tacked on. All this to say... There could have been a better format, Nate, like you were saying, yeah. for this series that could have been that could have respected both stories and told them them right. So as well, I'm giving this uh, entire series a four out of five. Hello there.
Well, that is it for our Watch Club for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 6, Part 6, the finale. And that's that's it for this Watch Club, yeah, guys. Yeah, we did, we did it. it. Another one. <laughs> Another one. The next one for Star Wars will probably be Andor. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait and see what that's all about. <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already... And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your own predictions of this show or any of the shows that we cover in Watch Club, well, you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent interview with director and executive producer Deborah Chow and Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen, from the series that we just finished talking about, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So you'll definitely want to check that out if you're a fan of the show and hear a little more insight about what went into making this show, both on YouTube and on all podcast feeds. Plus, we have our spoiler-free review for Disney and Pixar's Lightyear, which we also have interviews with Lightyear director Angus McLean, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino. Also, while we're on the topic of interviews, we have our interview with directors Adil and Bilal, who directed episodes one and six of Miss Marvel. And speaking of Miss Marvel, we have our ongoing watch club for Miss Marvel. Uh, so if you want to take a step into another cosmic universe, you can do so. Uh, episode three is out now with uh, Nate and Darcy chatting about all the reveals uh, from the episode. And of course, lastly, we have our This Week in Geek episodes, which have been a little bit on a break just because we've been so enamored with so many other things. But we still have a banger episode that's super relevant if you're a Star Wars fan, where uh, Nate and Darcy recant their adventures of Star Wars Celebration. Um, and I get to listen in FOMO uh, <laughs> about all the stuff, but also share some insights as to some of the great stuff that uh, they got to see. So go give that episode a listen and leave a five-star review if you don't mind. Kevin, Nate, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club finale for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as we say, may the Force be with you always. always.